Oh shit, it's the coin toss. One topic off the rip, two sides of a coin. Let's get after it, boys. Trey, heads or tails? Heads. That's the correct choice, thank you. Alright, so we have a James Connor and a uh and an Edmonds situation here in Arizona. Uh you called heads, so I'm gonna let you uh pick which one you want here. So pick between the two. Um uh, I guess for a contender, I'll take uh I'll take Connor, uh, just because I think he's probably going to score more in 2021, and he'll put more points in the lineup. Uh, Edmonds, I just don't think is really all that good. You know, he didn't really take away anything from Drake last year and kind of let Drake run the show. So I, I could see Connor doing that pretty much the same thing this season. Yeah, Tarek, uh, I guess you called tails since you like tails. So let's take Edmonds. What do you think? Well, I think Chase Edmonds in any kind of PPR format is going to be the back that you want. Um, they've shown, especially when the starter or what the nominal starter gets hurt, that they'll give Edmonds 30 carries. Uh, not that he's that great with those carries, but, you know, uh, Chase Edmonds, FTW, bro. That's that's cool, man. But, like, John, I, I know you've had this, like, secret crush on your boy here, Eno. Tell me why he's the guy there. I'm so happy that you gave me the obvious answer here. You know, Benjamin is obviously the lead in that backfield. Let's look at the obvious facts here. They got rid of Kenyon Drake, Edmonds, Connor, one-year contracts. Why? Because they know they've got Eno fucking Benjamin for four years. Cannot <laughs> wait to see this guy ball out. But seriously, come on. We know there's only one guy in that backfield, and it's Kyler Murray. Yeah. The RB1. Kyler Murray. Just wait for them to draft ETN. <laughs> no win stakes, man. <laughs> no one wins. <laughs> another, uh, Mitch, Mitch presenting us with another three-sided coin. Yeah, you like that coin. We love it. What... The fuck is going on, everyone? Welcome into the Long Game Dynasty Podcast, a weekly roundtable discussion about Dynasty fantasy football. I'm your host, Tarek Angry Tibin Shuya. With me, as always, are my good friends, John Alexander, Woo! Trey Cryan, and Mitch Yates. Howdy, guys. We Yo. Trey, what's the deal, dude? So right before we started recording, I just finished watching This is a Robbery on Netflix. And I got to say, I uh, really hope they find those paintings. <gasps> yeah. Have you guys not watched this yet? Oh, it's awesome. No. It's thrilling. No, nope. Never nope. even heard of it. <laughs> Strong recommendation. Yet. Oh, just me? Cool. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to make a Bachelor reference, dude. I thought that was... Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, we're working up for the Bachelor references. Here? Um, okay. Some big news in Bachelor Nation today, but Mitch, what's going on, dude? Oh, nothing, dude. Literally just ready to talk some fantasy football, literally trying to double some numbers that don't actually double their nominal value. <laughs> I, You know, I'm just here to party. Let's do it. Love it. John, how are you? You know what? We're trying the long game after dark, and I'm really intrigued to see where this is going. I got a good feeling tonight. Yeah, we are recording... Um, on a Wednesday at 9.12 p.m. Central, so 10.12 p.m. Eastern. We're split between Central and Eastern here on the long game. So, yeah, uh, we all got um, some some libations, and we'll see how this goes. Today, we're going to talk about tight ends and quarterbacks. Uh, we talked in the first episode about receivers, and then last week we talked about running backs, so we're getting into the less sexy positions, but there's still plenty to talk about. But before we get into that, I wanted to talk about the three kind of biggest news items of the last week since we last talked. The first piece of news is James Conner signing a one-year deal with the Cardinals. John, um, we talked about this in the coin toss a little bit, but why don't you give us a little more about what this means uh, for Conner, for Edmonds, for the backfield? Go for it. It seems like uh, Cardinals management's kind of making a more coherent move here. They got rid of Drake, who is a pretty similar player to Edmonds. I think Connor's a much better compliment to Edmonds. Edmonds being like the third down back, Connor more of the the bruiser. Uh, so if I'm a, a Connor uh, manager, if I'm an Edmonds manager, I think I'm happy. And I think uh, 
if I'm a Cardinals fan, I'm happier about that. But I alluded to it at the beginning. Yeah, I was just going to say, I think uh, Tarek mentioned it in the uh, in the coin toss. But, um, you know, if you look at Connor's like pass catching numbers the last couple of years, they actually do look a little bit better than uh, what Edmonds has been able to do. So I'm not sure that he's like just the the guy on the ground and Edmonds is just the guy in the air. I think Connor gives you a little bit more of that. Now, that said, the cell window is now, right, Mitch? Yeah, that's right. And we want to talk about a bruiser. I want to talk about the guy that's fucking bruised, and that's James Conner. <laughs> like, this dude has missed 11 games since, uh, what, week 14, 2018. Like, this guy's just been out of the lineup, and he he just hasn't been available. And that's been his biggest gripe, but he he's supposed to be that hard-nosed guy getting those touchdowns, but I, I, I don't know. Like, this isn't, yeah, it's sell now because you have to get out of this situation. It's the sexiest he's ever looked in in Dynasty. So if James Conner is a sell, what is Chase Edmonds? Oh, I've, ooh, I don't Hold. know. Hold. Wait and see. I mean, because you had this narrative circulating on Twitter that this is the best possible outcome for Chase Edmonds because that means they're probably not going to draft somebody on, on day two. Um, so I don't know. I, I think it can't be great news for Chase Edmonds. Obviously, the best news would have just been him and Eno Benjamin barreling into the season as the number one and number two option. But, you know, it, it's not the worst thing that could have happened to him, at least like Chris Carson or an actual good running back sign there, you know? Yeah, and, and Mitch, I mean, come on, like Connor was Connor was dragging fantasy teams to the uh, to the playoffs like not that long ago. So uh, this is definitely not the brightest he's ever been, but you know, this is probably the brightest he will ever be from now on. When you say not that long ago, uh, 2018. Like he, 2018, yeah. Like after that, though, I think I, I looked up games that he had more than 20 points, um, and and that's uh, half PPR after that week 14 2018 and he had five games and that's up to date here so 2020 uh over 20 points and before that and i'm talking so that's since week one 2018 he had six games above 20 points so literally all right (laughs) my favorite word right he has just been on the decline man and and he's been just he he's the image of that season and just been garbage ever since. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, 2018 is like 20 years ago in running back years, right? And yeah. speaking of running back years, uh, the next piece of news that we're going to talk about is Giovanni Bernard signing with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, apparently being personally recruited by Tom Brady and Bruce Arians. Mitch, how are you evaluating Gio here in the backfield in general? All right. So now that I'm done getting really low on running backs, like all of a sudden, I'm I'm thinking he might be the highest scoring running back in that trio right there. And it was not something that I was jumping into thinking like, this is how I was going to start off this segment today. But the more I thought about it, he, I, I believe he's going to get half of the touches of the running back committee there. And I think Rojo and Fournette are going to split those early early uh, touches there. But I think that Gio is going to be there getting those check downs and those passing options. Oh, hey. So, yeah, go ahead. John. Don't forget I, the coach. The coach predicted a Keyshawn Vaughn breakout. So let's not forget about that yeah, guy. Let's let's completely forget about that <laughs> because <laughs> fuck that. But no, seriously, like Gio, Gio has been very consistent in a world where it's very difficult for a running back of his stature to be very consistent. He chose his location and he, I, he fits perfectly with that Tom Brady sort of check down play to a smart running back. Yeah. I, I legitimately think that he's worth like a, a late second round pick in dynasty. I, I truly do. I think that he will be a consistent asset to your team. A late second rookie pick, just to clarify, right? Yes. Um, Well, you know, men lie, women lie, and so does Bruce Arians. Trey, (laughs) talk to us about Julian Edelman getting cut uh, 
slash retiring. We're not really sure exactly what is going on, but that's the idea that he's probably retiring after getting cut from the Patriots. Yeah, yeah. It seems to me like he uh, he came out and said, uh, well, my body just can't take it anymore. It's time for me to hang it up. So um, I guess that means the best wide receiver on the Patriots just uh, retired. So it's definitely a situation uh, ripe for opportunity between the uh, free agents they brought in, the three guys on the roster that were already there from last year. And I'm talking about uh, Nikhil Harry and Jacoby Myers and Mary Bird. Um, and I mean, it's still totally possible they could uh, dip into uh, the wide receiver market in the draft. I've seen a couple mocks that had uh, Kadarius Tony going there in the second. Um, give you know whoever's playing quarterback there a nice uh, gadget weapon. So if you had to pick somebody here, I know he's a little bit older, but I feel like Aguilar is kind of a sneaky buy, especially if you're a contender. I mean, he can't be very expensive, and he's already shown uh, some pretty great efficiency last year with uh, Derek Carr thrown to him. So. If they get a quarterback like Mac Jones to fall uh, to them in the draft somehow, then yeah, that could be, um, I don't know. I kind of like Aguilar as a sneaky buy, but what do you guys think? I think Mac Jones is falling. Well, I think the Pats would probably have to trade up, but I'm also still in denial about uh, uh, San Francisco taking Mac Jones at three. Me too, Trey. I do love that. I do love yeah, that. We'll, and, and we'll get there in our second half. Julian Edelman. Um, Hall of Famer. You know, I, one thing I want to... Yeah, that's the one thing I wanted no. to address is there's all, yes! all, I, all I've seen on Twitter is like, uh, well, apparently Mitch is going to come in on the other side because he's a Patriots fan. But what, I, what, I, what, what I've seen on Twitter is like everybody saying, why is everybody arguing that Julian Edelman is a Hall of Famer? And like, literally, that's all I've seen. I haven't seen like, I've seen maybe one or two people actually argue that he's a Hall of Famer. It's not even close. Like, Heinz Ward can't get into the Hall of Fame and he's doubled all of Edelman's stats, including his like Super Bowl MVP. Is this so, helmet? Is this helmet scouting? Is this, I don't know. Is, is it what we're doing here? I don't know. Oh, Are for you, hunting? for you, possibly as a Patriots fan. <laughs> yeah, I, di I didn't hear any helmet scouting. But look, Tarek, if you want to hear some guys uh, argue for the Hall of Fame case, just follow uh, Boston Globe sports reporters, ESPN Boston <laughs> reporters on Twitter. Follow, uh, look at what all of their followers are saying. And yeah, I bet you'll see uh, what you're looking for there. And right. also follow follow at Marl's in charge on Twitter. That, <laughs> that'll give you the, 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 the bull case. All right, let's get into this first half. We are going to be talking tight ends in the first half of the show. And there's really only three tight ends that we're going to talk about in depth. Most three-round rookie drafts will probably only have these three guys unless you're in a tight end premium. So we're just going to talk about these three guys. We may mention a guy or two at the end. But before we get into the consensus tight end one, uh, Mitch, what do you think about this tight end class or maybe just rookie tight ends in general? Well, sure. Yes and yes. So the tight end situation and a rookie tight end draft is just difficult to evaluate all around um tight ends it's it's miserable uh it's so shitty that leagues literally offer a tight end premium scoring to compensate for how dire the situation is and uh like trey can you can you lay out like how yeah. that works yeah yeah no problem i mean i think the the basic structure that a lot of leagues use for tight end premium is one and a half point uh per reception uh, for a tight end reception, whereas, uh, you know, normal wide receiver and running back catches would just be, you know, worth the normal one point. So, you know, some people see that and they think, oh, well, I have to draft, you know, Tyle, uh, excuse me, <laughs> um, Travis Kelsey, number one overall, which, you know, isn't necessarily the case. I mean, yeah, he definitely gets a boost in points, uh, but it really just helps out those top end elite guys who are getting a ton of volume. And um, I think there is probably a little bit of overcorrection here in how people uh, play the strategy but you're right it does give the tight ends a little bit more of a boost it kind of makes those lower tier middle class tight ends a little bit more flex worthy than uh kind of typical half ppr standard ppr Correct. scoring yeah and so we don't we don't play in one of those leagues but i i know a lot of dynasty formats do and like we said it, it does compensate for the lack of points that are scored but we're talking in the sense of like a normal scoring league and we're talking about our tight ends that are going to be drafted here and i i see pits and i see everybody else and it's a long shot away and so i'm either drafting somebody like him one of those just elite talents or i'm not drafting the rest of the guys at all 
and so uh, we'll discuss the rest of the guys, but I think our main conversation has got to be about Pitts, right? I think that's completely fair, and on that note, let's just transition to Kyle Pitts, who is tight end one, mega tight end one, tight end zero, tight end negative one, whatever you want to call him. Wide receiver two. Yeah, exactly. Wide receiver two, according to John, um, which, you know, what he can talk more about that when we get to him. Uh, so Kyle Pitts is from the University of Florida. One thing that Dane Brugler said in his beast that I thought was really interesting is that his first two years in high school, he played linebacker and quarterback, but his coaches refused to move him to tight end, which was always his desired position. And I thought that was really sick. Like, a, a kid who was playing linebacker and quarterback and wanted to move to tight end because he wanted to be, you know, Shannon Sharp. He wanted to be Eric Ebron, the, uh, the prospect Eric Ebron. I'll, I'll clarify that. So uh, he is six foot six, 245 pounds, and he ran a 444 at his pro day. So let's adjust that down to 449 to account for the pro day bump, right? 449 still puts him in the 99th percentile for the position. So athleticism just off the charts he broke out in his true sophomore season with 54 receptions 649 yards and five touchdowns and by this point the hype was already pretty high but then he has a 2020 season that exceeds all expectations this is just in eight games 43 receptions 770 yards and 12 touchdowns absolutely crazy it's only fair that i hand it over to john what do you think about kyle pitts now, I know you guys have heard this speech a number of times in a number of different formats, but you're going to get it again here. And I'm going to add the caveat today that I'm going to try to convince you that this is a guy that should be going somewhere between 1.04 and 1.06 in rookie drafts. Uh, I call him my wide receiver, too, for a reason. Uh, he has the route tree. He plays at, He was playing at the slot. He was playing uh, on the outside. He played every wide receiver position at Florida and they did line him up in line occasionally, but I, I can't see him doing that in the NFL. He doesn't have the size. He doesn't have that kind of strength to be, he's, he's not blocking is the point. That's not, that's not his bag. That's not why he's getting drafted in the top 10. He's getting drafted in the top 10 because he's a matchup nightmare. You could put your best corner on him for the speed and he won't be big enough. You can put your best linebacker on there for the strength and he won't be fast enough. He's going to be able to beat every guy he goes against one-on-one. -on -one. And uh, he's going he's gonna to be a playmaking monster at the NFL. And I think that you could, should and could and should reasonably take him after maybe the first two, three running backs or maybe the first two running backs and your wide receiver one. That's the range he should be going for me. And the reason for that is how many chances do you get in rookie drafts to uh, draft a playmaker at a scarce position like tight end. There's just not that many tight ends. We talk about the top six all the time. Well, he's a top six guy. I'm willing to plant my flag in that. And that's the kind of guy that takes you to championships and you get him at the age of 20. Uh, what would you do if you could draft Travis Kelsey today at the age of 20? Like how high would you take him? That's why that's the hype here. Uh, I'm very excited about Kyle Pitts, and I know I joke about him being my wide receiver too, but every joke is a half-truth. This guy is built to be a wide receiver in the NFL. Okay, Trey, is, is Kyle Pitts a lock? Yeah, I mean, I think he is a lock. And, uh, you know, the first time I heard John give this uh, spiel, I was a little bit skeptical, but uh, I'm, I'm starting to buy into it for sure. Um, I actually kind of uh, just threw him into the same uh, evaluation model I was using for my uh, wide receivers. Uh, just to kind of test this theory, like, could he be the wide receiver too? And uh, I mean, absolutely. Like the the breakout age, like at, um, you know, less than 19 years old, the 32.3% uh, uh, college dominator, which is insane. Uh, and he's got that, you know, 123 uh, speed score, right? Which is a uh, DK Metcalf-esque. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm buying. I think he, there's basically no red flags across the board. Uh yeah, go for it at 104-105 if, you, uh, if you're so inclined. Yeah, and for me, he is so close to a lock, but I can't, I can't lock it. I can't finally lock it just because of how hard the transition is to become a NFL tight end. Coupled with the potential for him to be drafted in 
a situation that just doesn't work out for him. Like, I, I think that he is almost situation-proof, but I can just... I There's just that margin of error that, like, that, that just makes me... So sick. what's a situation that you would hate, Mitch? No, it, it's it's not necessarily the like the team it's necessarily like how he would be used right mm. i'm just saying like mm-hmm. like i i think of like oj howard like i, I sure. think of like a player that just you know had all the hype and just hopped in there and just wasn't used correctly and just kind of hung out for for four years you drafted him early at like pick six or pick seven in your rookie draft and now now what right mm-hmm. like now, I, I don't think that of him. I just think that that is a possibility where I won't just, like, lock the key and swallow it. Sure, know? sure, I, yeah. Yeah, that's all I was saying. But there's definitely some landing spots that are better than others, so I agree with that. Uh, Cincinnati looks good. Miami looks good. Uh, if he drops that far, I think we're all going to be a little excited if he goes to the Cowboys, right? Oh, oh hell yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. As a Cowboys fan, I was saying this before we hit record, like... If he falls to 10, I will be pissed. I will be so pissed if we pass on him, like for Patrick Sertain, who I love. You know, we need a corner, but you just don't pass on a transcendental talent like Pitts. You know, All right, calm down. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I'm like, I'm tilting over here. <laughs> you want to watch the, like, I guess there are a couple Cowboys fans on this pod. We, we were going to have to admit it at some point, but we all uh, make mistakes, right? If, if they want to lose every game they play, like 45 to 40, then yeah, go, go ahead and draft pits. <laughs> Do it. I'm down. I'm a fantasy player first at this point. So right, whatever. right, right. My my dream scenario, and I've got to say it on the record here, if somehow, some way, the Chargers move up or he falls to 13, come on, him and Herbie. Uh, John, you might as well be a fucking Chargers fan. You like, think? Just like, mail it in, dude. If Yeah, you you don't even really have a team, do you, really John? Don't. So, I don't. Just get your goddamn Herbert jersey, put it on. And I really, think it's I, LA. I think I yeah. root for like one player and he plays for the Chargers. So I guess I should go there ahead and is. commit. Yeah, you're right. If, if anyone listening wants to donate a Chargers uh, <laughs> Herbert jersey to John Alexander, <laughs> uh, just DM us on Twitter. That'd be great. I believe there are five underscores, John. <laughs> J underscore, 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 underscore Alexander. Getting back to Pitts, maybe to just kind of wrap it up a little bit. Um, everybody had, uh, a couple of you had mentioned that he's more of a receiver, you know, he's not really an inline guy. I think like he can play wherever the mismatch is on the field. So I, I could totally, if he goes to a situation where they find ways to like line him up tight into the formation, but he's still running a route, you know, or he's, he's maybe chipping a little bit and then running a route. Like he's big enough to do that. He's just, you're, you're not going to rely on him to block. You don't draft Kyle Pitts for him to block. He is a weapon. So um, I, I, I just want to see him go to a place that's going to use him correctly. Uh, like, you know, Mitch was kind of warning us about earlier plenty of players enter the league and they get misused and we never get to see their full potential. So whoever drafts Kyle Pitts, don't fucking do that. Don't do that to us. Any, anybody else want to say a final word on Kyle Pitts? I'll just say, uh, I think uh, uh, at DF bean counter laid out like a pretty good bear case against drafting a tight end high in the, uh, in the first round and basically said the highest you'd want to go would be like a late first, early second, which, you know, obviously that is a little bit bearish than the consensus uh, here, but, you know, worth checking out on Twitter. It's a good thread. We, we can go ahead and uh, retweet that for the, uh, the loyal follower. <laughs> so uh, we're moving down DLF ADP here. Uh, so, yeah, sorry that I didn't introduce this earlier, but we're going down DLF's Dynasty ADP. And the tight end number two, after the biggest gulf you could imagine, like larger than the Gulf of Mexico, uh, between tight end one and two is Pat Fryermuth, um, tight end from Penn State, ye old titty lions, six foot five, 250 pounds. He didn't work out at his pro day, but his tape shows a solid, although not explosive athlete. And he shows enough acceleration to make plays after the catch. 
Only 26 receptions as a true freshman for 368 yards, but almost a third of those catches were touchdowns with eight. As a sophomore, he had 43 receptions for 507 yards and seven touchdowns, and he missed more than half of 2020 with a shoulder injury. Uh, Trey, what do you think about Pat Fryermuth? Is he your tight end too? He is my tight end too. And uh, I mean, the main thing I'm looking for in these rookie tight ends is uh, the athleticism, right? So uh, it kind of sucks that we don't have any like pro day uh, measurables for uh, Fryermuth. It's kind of like a big uh, missing data point right now. Uh, he does uh, grade out pretty well on film on uh, Lance Zerline on NFL.com. You know, he's got him at the projected to be a starter in his first two years. So that's good. He's projected to get the first or second round draft capital. So, you know, no issues there. Um, I mean, his athletic comp on player profiler is Hunter Henry. You know, that's an okay athlete. It's probably good enough, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and he had a lot of production at uh, Penn State. He was a freshman year breakout. Uh, that 27.9% college dominator, that 14.2 uh, yards per catch are, is uh, definitely good enough for what we're looking for here. So I actually don't hate him. I mean, the only reason it's the a, a gulf, the size of the Gulf of Mexico is because Kyle Pitts is, you know, looking like the God tight end. And mm-hmm. I think any other given year, uh, Fryermuth would still be in that top one or two conversation. So if, if you want to target him at the middle or end of your second round, I'd go for it. One quarterback, yeah. uh, non super flex leagues. Sure. And okay, so like I, I've already made the case, but I'll I'll confirm that I think anything after our number one guy is just uh, like you're throwing a dart, closing your eyes, and hoping for the best here. But if we're gonna compare to last year, I think the guys with the the, the second round grade, or I'm sorry, let's let's go back to 2019, the second round grade. We had Knox at a second round, Herb Smith at a second round, and Sternberger at a second round. So with that comparison, like, you know, that's a little bit better than what I'm saying. But, yeah, I mean, maybe Knox is a good comparison. Like, you have the athleticism, but you don't really know what to expect. But when it comes down to it, what has Knox done for you lately? We're still hoping for the best because... Drafting a tight end is just that. You're going to have to wait two to three years to see anything. And uh, when I see a second round pick on something like that, I as well wait. Yeah. And Mitch, I guess the biggest difference to me is, yes, they both do have that. Um, I think Knox is maybe a little bit better of an athlete profile than mm-hmm. Firemuth, but I think Firemuth had a lot more uh, college production to uh, point to. So, yeah, he, he may slip into that second round, but I don't definitely... I, Definitely don't think that's like a death knell for tight ends. As long as they're, you know, on day one or two, it's probably good enough. But what are you expecting to do with them? Like, are, are you just going to throw them on your bench for three years? I Like, that, that's, that's a tough thing for me. Like, I am a proponent of not drafting a tight end at all, period, unless it's one of those talents, yeah. right? Yeah, I mean, that's a fair point. Uh, John, you had some interesting thoughts on that strategy, right? Well, yeah, it's an interesting economics problem, right? Because that's a spot on your roster that you can't replace with somebody who maybe is a startable guy. But at the same time, you never get them. If they do hit, you never get them cheaper than you would at the rookie draft. Uh, My personal policy, though, is I prefer, at least in theory, probably not in practice because I too tend to draft tight ends in the third round. If you don't take them in the third round, though, it's probably better policy to just see which ones hit wait a couple of years and trade for those guys who have already hit. But more specifically about Pat Fryermuth, I, I think I'm a little bit more uh, optimistic about this guy. I, I'm a Big Ten guy. I watch a lot of Big Ten football. And he was he was a man on the field. That was a bad Penn State team last year. I think they started 0-5, 0-6. But he was clearly the best field on, player on the field, even on that terrible team. He he looked like an NFL player out there. It was just the players around him. So I don't I don't really play, blame him for having a bad 2020. He did have the injury as well. I, I can, I definitely agree with you, Trey. Late second, early third for me is the right spot. But I also agree with Mitch. If you just want to not draft him and then trade for him in a few years, you could probably do that too. Yeah, and I, if it's purely an upside play, th- there is probably more upside going with some of those wide receivers. And I guess it's kind of up to you as the dynasty manager to figure out, you know, when is that tier break for you? in those second round wide receivers before you're ready to go dip into the tight end well 
because uh, it is a little bit shallow once you get past uh, wide receiver two. I, I'm sorry, excuse me, uh, Kyle Pitts. Yeah, he's he's gonna he's likely gonna be a second round pick in the NFL draft. So pending landing spot landing spot. He certainly will merit consideration in the third round of rookie drafts. We'll just have to kind of remain fluid on that. Let's move on to DLF uh, ADP tight end three, and that is from the University of Miami, Brevin Jordan. So this is a guy that was actually the number one ranked tight end in his recruiting class ahead of one Kyle Pitts. He came in at six foot two, 245 pounds at his pro day where he ran a 4.67, which is pretty average speed for his size. All three years in college, he's basically been between 32 and 38 receptions, but his downfield impact improved year over year. So by 2020, he posts 38 receptions for 576 yards and seven touchdowns with a dominator rating of 31.5%, which is really good for a tight end and demonstrates how little there was to go around in that passing offense for the Hurricanes. Um, Mitch, do you, do, do you have any thoughts about Brevin Jordan? I know you were hesitant to ask me that after <laughs> after the last thing I said, but I do. I, I I legitimately do. So we have three guys. We have the three tight ends that we're talking about here, and that's it. And he he at least needs some attention because he is definitely going to be drafted. And if you are in need of a tight end, and if you have the patience to hold on to a project this guy's got the athleticism and uh, like i hope you're good at tight end when you draft him i hope you're not drafting this guy to start next year or the year after that but like if you look back and i i told Tarek i would at least bring this up here like i looked back at vernon davis and i looked back at greg olson these these two tight ends who were mainstays, who are incredible tight ends, if you think about in the last 10 years, like these dudes were not any good fantasy wise for the first three years of their careers. So if you find a guy that you think is going to be athletic and you think is going to be drafted in the first or second round, if you have the patience to draft him, this this is one of those guys. So by all means do it. I'd be really I'd be really surprised if Brevin Jordan, you know, went before the very late second round. But at the but... same time, I mean, you're going to have to hold him and you're going to have to expect that like he's not going to give you a return on your value and you're going to have to hold I him. think it speaks to a larger strategy that you could employ in dynasty. I like to pick up one tight end per year so that I'm cycling through uh we're kind of like on year 4 of our original cycle and I've got some guys coming up now and if you just take one per year either off the waiver wire or you take them in the third round, then you don't really have to play that game too much. It's like by the time you need them, it's been that three years. So um, I specifically about Brevin Jordan, though, I think you're right. He's definitely an athletic guy. Most of his uh, catching stuff seemed like it was really close to the line of scrimmage to me. So I, I think I like him a lot in PPR leagues, but like half PPR standard leagues, I'm not sure he's got the he's got hang the, on. Yeah, I'm I'm Tarek, I think you're you're thinking the same thing I am. Where are you guys getting this athleticism for uh Brevin Jordan? Because you know, he ran a four seven three at his well, I guess it was a four six eight, but adjusted up to a four seven three at his pro day. And at six foot three, you know, two forty five, that's not a great speed score. It's you know, barely fiftieth percentile. So um, I mean, he's got some other like pretty poor measurables as well, like a 31 inch vertical. He doesn't look like an athlete who's going to, you know, give you that upside, that top five upside at the position. He looks like I agree with that. Um, his athletic profile looks like just a guy. And, and so when you say uh, like he looks like, you know, a, a super uh, talented athlete, I'm, I'm just not seeing it based on the measurables. And I don't know if he just that's fair. I uh, was a little bit hung over for his pro day or what, but uh, he he definitely didn't test very well. No, I didn't look at all at his pro day. All I did was watch his tape, and he looked to make athletic uh, catches. And just, I again, yeah, I'm sorry, I did not watch his tape. Yeah. That those numbers sound awful. Um, yeah, I mean, and the only other thing I would I would add is um, just looking at like the NFL.com grade. You know, he comes in at like a, a backup developmental grade, five point nine five from Lancer Line. So. Um, he actually is my number five tight end. There's there's two other guys I'd rather go over him between 
for Iron Maiden than Jordan. I'm not a tape warrior, but what I have seen of Brevin Jordan is that on tape, he looks like a pretty fluid athlete, more so than his testing indicated. Yeah. Um, but Trey, you you had mentioned that you have a couple of guys in front of him. So why don't you talk to us about your tight end three? Yeah, I mean, so my tight end three is Hunter Long out of uh, Boston College. So he's six foot five. He's 253 pounds. Uh, he's got um, okay tape score uh, from Lancer line. Uh, he looks like a backup who uh, could develop. His uh, his speed score is okay. Gets him in at the 65th percentile, which isn't great, but it's better than Tommy Trimble and, and Brevin Jordan, who are my next two on the list. Uh, but if you look at his um, his score on this uh, this tool that I've been following, it's the relative uh, athletic score. Uh, it's created by a guy named at uh, MathBomb on Twitter. Uh, and it's definitely a cool resource because it combines the size, the agility, the burst, and the uh, the speed measurables into one you know he comes in at uh 8.59 which is one of the best in this class uh only beat out by uh pits and tremble who we're talking about today and uh, compared to tremble he's also got the 21.8 percent uh college dominator and he, i mean he looked great at boston college if you do flip the film on he caught 57 passes as a redshirt junior last year and was made second team all-american so um if he does slip into the third round, that's definitely someone I would target. Excuse me. If he slips in the third round of the NFL draft, that's somebody I would target in the third round of rookie drafts. Mm -hmm. I think I've seen some buzz about him going in the second round too. So, you know, that, that he could, he could be somebody that kind of moves up boards for everyone. All right. Mike check. It's halftime. So let's get into this halftime segment and we're going to stick with tight ends. But as we normally do in these last couple episodes, when we're talking rookies, we're going to back up and talk some veterans. So here's the question. What tight end currently outside of the top 12 in DLF ADP will be a top 12 tight end in dynasty this time next year? So in April of 2022, Mitch, I'm going to go with you first. Oh, thank you. Uh, well, let's go with Dawson Knox then, my guy. It's been my guy. I've been going for him in every league, every dynasty league I got. I think it's his breakout season, right? What am I basing that on? Oh, well, let's look at his year last year. That wasn't good. Uh, he actually had less targets and less yards, but he had more touchdowns. And we're talking about a third year. We're talking about him and Josh Allen going for it. We're talking about that jump, and I'm all about it. I, I think his athleticism, I think he's going to make that leap. Okay, so Dawson Knox catching balls from Josh Allen in his third year. Trey, let's go to you next. Man, I'm, I'm shocked Mitch didn't go uh, Johnny. So me instead too. of uh, breaking his heart, I'll, uh, I'll break John's. Um, give, me, uh, give me Cole Komet. This is my homer pick, man. Notre Dame Irish. So second round pick uh, last year by the, uh, by the Chicago Bears. He also graded as a really good athlete coming out of college. I've mentioned the relative athletic score earlier. He had the 8.92, which puts him in that same range as uh, as Hunter Long, who I just mentioned. He's going uh, from Titty Boy, Mitch Trubisky, to Andy Dalton as his quarterback. So that's a big upgrade there. We've seen Dalton love to pepper his tight ends before with Tyler Eifert and Cincy and Dalton Schultz last year in Dallas. Uh, Vegas doesn't like the Bears' chances in 2021. 20, uh, the outlook is looking like a 7-10 season, so they'll probably be passing a bunch. And the only thing standing in his way is Jimmy Graham. So if Jimmy Graham isn't cut before this season, he definitely will be before 2022. So Cole Komet is currently ADP 16. That's a lock for top 12 this time next year. Okay, so Cole Komet from the Chicago Bears is Trey's pick. John, what do you got? I'm last two weeks in a row, and I get the easy, low-hanging fruit two weeks in a row. I am picking, well, okay, let me preface this by saying y'all picked a couple of guys where you think you know where they're going to be. You think they're going to reach the ceiling. Well, I'm going to pick a guy who's already there, and that's Hunter Henry. Hunter Henry is outside the top 12 right now, but guess what? He just got a three-year contract. He got paid the big bucks by the Patriots, and you don't pay a player like that unless you intend to use him. I'm not worried about Jonu Smith because I think Hunter Henry's the better player. I think he's going to get more targets. I think he's going to get more touchdowns. And I think this time next year, we're all going to be laughing that we we thought, oh, Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith were uh, 
they were cannibalizing each other. No, Henry, Hunter Henry is going to be the main receiving target there. I'm not worried about any of the wide receivers there. He's shown it to me on the field with the Chargers, and I think he's ready to go with the Patriots, and this time next year, he's easily top 12. Okay. Man, I hate tight ends. <laughs> <laughs> so um, here's my reasoning. All right. Cole Komet. Uh, Trey said that the only thing standing in Cole Komet's way is Jimmy Graham, and that is false. One of the things standing in his way is Andy Dalton. <laughs> Hunter Henry, John, you said that he's better than Janu, but you didn't really explain how. They got paid the same amount. So I'm actually going to go with Mitch, even though he his argument didn't have as much substance maybe as the other two, but he said Josh Allen. So that's all I had to hear. Dawson Knox, Josh MVP Allen. MVP candidate, Josh Allen. Mitch gets the point. I honestly, I didn't think that we were going to start one, one, and one, but these are, th this has been my honest opinion. So now that Mitch has a point, everybody's tied up at one point. Keep track of those points. They really fucking matter insofar as they don't matter. <laughs> Josh on Twitter. Allen can throw it over a mountain, and he has. Clear over a mountain. Right to Dawson Knox. He went to Wyoming, so that's all he did all day was just throw yeah. footballs over mountains. If anybody's got some soft hands, it ain't Dawson Knox, but my God, buddy, come on, figure it out. Hard hands. <laughs> Hard hand Knox up in this bitch. It's what you like to see in your young tight ends. He's a tight end that looks like a tight end, right, Mitch? Yeah, man. He's He just has that specific build to John. He certainly tastes like a tight end. All right. Let's get back into this main content. And for the second half, we're going to talk quarterbacks. So we're going down DLF ADP, which is really different from NFL mock drafts. Uh, the dynasty community has a very different ranking of quarterbacks than the NFL community. So we've got a transcendent prospect at the top, but even after him, it seems like a pretty good QB class, maybe the most hyped since 2018 and that was that baker darnold allen rosen lamar year um we have five quarterbacks that are definitely going in the first round this year and they may all go top 10 so let's start with that transcendent prospect at the top trevor lawrence quarterback for the jacksonville jaguars blue chip recruit that's certainly lived up to his nickname of touchdown jesus he's six foot five 213 pounds but so He's a little skinny, but he showed, especially in 2020, that his frame can take a beating. Didn't work out at the pro day because why? Look, I don't need to go over his stats. He lost two games in three years. He's really fucking good. One stat I will point out is in his sophomore year, he ran for 563 yards and nine touchdowns, so he can get it done there too. John, Trevor Lawrence, go. Man, like, who am I to judge this guy? People are paid these scouts are paid millions of dollars and like they miss on these guys like half the time, but they ain't missing on this guy. He, uh, he would have been the number one pick in the last three drafts in 2019, uh, 2018. He, he has been the best prospect in college football since he won the national championship. He, if he could have declared then he, he should have, uh, he's going to, if you draft him today, he's going to be on your team for the next 10 years. He's going to be going to pro bowls every year. He's a top 12 guy. He's uh, you'll never draft. You'll never have to draft another uh, quarterback again for a decade. So he's he's a steal in that sense. Uh, he like you mentioned earlier, he's got the rushing upside that I like. Uh, my my only concern is I want to see how Urban Meyer is going to use him in that system uh, at Ohio State. He ran that quarterback a lot uh, and the, those quarterbacks took some hits. And I'm not sure Trevor, Trevor Lawrence has got the build to take a lot of NFL hits from NFL players. So that's something to watch out for. But he's, uh, if they're using him right, he's not going to be running much. He's going to be throwing dimes across the field. I love Trevor Lawrence. Go ahead and draft him. Draft him first overall if you're playing Superflex. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Don't overthink it. Trey, um, what do you think about Trevor Lawrence? Look, I, I guess like from Dane Brugler's Beast, which is a tool that I love. The knock on him is that his accuracy suffers when he's unable to throw from a firm base. And also he plays too fast. Like his mental processing is just an overdrive, which to me sounds like a really good problem to have. Yeah, that sounds like a problem that's not a real problem. Um, <laughs> so yeah, if, if the guy thinks too fast or if he's like, you know, too smart for quarterbacks, then <laughs> what are we, what are we talking about here? But no, I, I 
yeah, what else is there to say? I mean, if you're in a super flex league, just lock them in as your 101. Don't overthink it. I, I think it's more of a conversation if you're in one QB league, like where do you slot them in versus some of the RBs and, and receivers and, and Kyle Pitts is, uh, that are going to be drafted. So I, I do think he's a good value at the end of the first beginning of the second, because of all the reasons John mentioned, you know, he is going to be your quarterback for the next 10 years by, you know, mm-hmm. unless things go horribly wrong, which, you know, it's Jacksonville. So who knows? Um, the one, and only red flag that I was able to find was if you look at adjusted uh, yards per attempt and look at the best single season uh, for some of these quarterbacks, his is actually a little bit low uh, compared to some of these other guys we're going to talk about. He, he had 10.2 adjusted yards per attempt uh, in his uh, 2020 season, which, you know, compared to Justin Fields, who had 11.2 or Mac Jones, who had 12.8. Um, you know, maybe there's a question of, did he play it a little bit safe with the short passing game, uh, keeping some of those throws close to the line of scrimmage, but that's a nitpick. You know, I think he's, he's clearly ready to play ball the next John, you'll notice that I didn't even say he played at Clemson. I just went straight for quarterback for the Jacksonville Jaguars. So can I actually ask you to just talk about him on the Jaguars and what that means for the weapons there? Well, I think that if I'm uh, DJ Chark, I'm pretty happy. Uh, I guess they've got Marvin Jones. He's probably pretty happy. Uh, they've got James Robinson. He's pretty happy. Do you get the point? I, I'm pretty happy if I'm playing for the Jaguars. I think you forgot Jackson. somebody. Yeah, what about Visca, man? Yeah, I, I think you forgot to. <laughs> oh. Uh... You're breaking my heart, Vis- John. Visca? Oh, LaVisca Chenault? Yeah, he's probably happy too. Uh, I'm not. I'm obviously not as high on him as y'all are, but uh, he's he's definitely uh, he's a guy that we're going to keep an eye on, especially in Urban Meyer's system. It's going to be a creative system, and he's a creative player, so there's reason for optimism there. He was just always broke in college. I'm sorry, I can't get over the injury thing. So to clarify, Lavisca Chenault, not Trevor Lawrence. Oh, Lavisca Chenault. Yeah, Trevor okay. Lawrence was. I would, I thought, did he ever miss a game? Oh, he had, no. he had Corona. Sorry. He had Corona. Oh, okay. There you he go. He missed oh. some games. Yeah. But that doesn't count. Best as day of my life. Oh, cause Notre yeah, Dame. Right. Five. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's Notre going Dame. off the rails, boys. <laughs> Don't overthink it. Superflex 101. You can draft him as high as 108, 109 and one QB. And buy all of his weapons. Do it. All right. Uh, QB two, according to DLF ADP is Justin Fields, quarterback from Ohio state who played his first year at Georgia behind Jake Fromm, LOL, Kirby Smart, okay. Six foot three, 227 pounds, so tall enough and built. He ran a 4.46 at his pro day, so adjust that to 4.51, and he's in the 99th percentile for speed at the QB position. In 2019, his sophomore year, he throws 41 touchdowns to just three interceptions, also rushes for 10 touchdowns. He's got a career QBR of 92.1, which is in the 96th percentile of his peers. Trey, is the whole world going crazy? Like, how is this guy not consensus QB2 for the NFL and in fantasy? Yeah, I mean, good question. He he is clearly my uh, quarterback too. I guess, you know, maybe there's an argument for a guy like Trey Lance, who's also got some really awesome, uh, you know, upside on the ground. Uh, but Justin Fields played against a much better level of competition than Trey Lance or Zach Wilson did at West. Um, you know, that Ohio State uh, offense, you know, they uh, are always producing NFL talent. So he played with the best of the best. He competed against the best in the Big Ten. And, and, and I guess the SEC as a freshman at Georgia. Um, you know, I mean, you look at his uh, rushing profile. So I did a, a little bit of a, a deep dive into the rushing numbers earlier this week that I shared with you guys, and I'll, I'll post that on uh, Twitter uh, before too long. But I wanted to look at, you know, trying to project how much he's going to um, produce fantasy points uh, on the ground at the next level. And just based on his profile as a college player, it looks like he kind of slots into the the Daniel Jones and uh, Deshaun Watson uh, tier of quarterbacks, which isn't to say anything about like the amount of points that he's actually going to put out, but like where those points are going to come from. So if you think about Deshaun Watson, yeah, he gets it done or got it done uh, with his legs, but you know, he was still a very prolific, uh, you know, proficient uh, passer um, at the college level. And I think it's, you know, that's uh, Justin Fields ceiling. Um, 
you know, coming out into, uh, you know, wherever he's going to end up getting drafted. I feel like maybe this is an area where we're going to have some disagreement because we have in the past, but I think y'all maybe view Justin Fields as a quarterback who can throw and will run. I kind of see him more as a pocket passer that can run. I don't think uh, that his game is going to be the run game at the NFL. I think he's going to be a prolific passer, but I think the question will be, can he get protected packet, uh, pockets at the NFL? Which team does he go to and can they protect him? Because uh, I don't think that's his best game is his run. I think he can run, but I think his best game is when he's sitting in the po- pocket and his decision making. Yeah. Uh, I think that he had to run at Ohio State. They saw they, he, he got blitzed a lot and that's why he ran out of the pocket a lot and he had a lot of rush yards. Uh, but I don't, I don't necessarily expect him to run a lot in the NFL. That's just my personal opinion, though. No, agreed. Well, and that's an important conversation to have because when it comes to fantasy points, we we need to consider that rushing numbers are drastically inflating quarterbacks' uh, rankings, right? So that's where we have Jalen Hurts like just rocketing up boards because of his rushing numbers here. So when we're looking at our rookie quarterbacks, it's like you said, it's not about uh, like can he run it's will he run and if you think he's going to be a pocket quarterback then maybe you're going to have to dial it back a little bit yeah and you know i i wanted to just address kind of the narrative or the reason that he's slipping down nfl draft boards and that's because people say that he locks in on his first read and he doesn't often take what the defense gives him and he'll hold on to the ball for a long time. So I just wanted to like reference that as the reason why he's kind of slipping down, at least in the narrative, because John had mentioned, you know, his decision making. Um, but I think that's kind of the biggest knock against him is that maybe he's kind of a first read quarterback. Uh, and for the record, I, I watched every single one of his games and that is definitely not my impression of him. Yeah, he had like laser focus and I saw him make amazing throws you could tell he was NFL ready this season. So I'm not even sure where that narrative is coming from. Yeah. I mean, the ceiling is just so high. I, I, I mean, as a passer and as a rusher, I, I, to me, it doesn't make sense. Like the jets should select him at number two, but yeah. they're yeah. the jets. So, you know, luckily for Justin Fields, he won't end up there. Let's <laughs> move on to our QB three and DLF ADP. And that is Trey Lance. So red shirt, sophomore from North Dakota state, Comes in at six foot four, two hundred twenty six pounds, prototypical quarterback size. Doesn't work out at his pro day by choice, which is interesting to me because I feel like he probably would have killed the pro day. Um, he only really played one year at North Dakota State, and that's twenty nineteen. But he goes pretty bonkers in that year: twenty eight passing touchdowns to zero interceptions, also eleven hundred yards and fourteen touchdowns on the ground. Mitch, what do you think about Trey Lance? Oh, I love it. I love it. You have this Cam Newton potential in the the beginning stages, right? And you have him not working out there and you you have people sleeping on him. You have the opportunity to buy as low as possible on an early Cam Newton type quarterback in Dynasty, which is I I don't know. This must be a rare opportunity, and I'm seizing. Now we do have to see where he gets drafted. That's that's going to be a big deal because if he's granted the starting opportunity off the rip, then yeah, we're talking a first round pick. Yeah. So Mitch, I had noticed that you have Justin Fields ranked ahead of uh, Trey Lance in your overall quarterback rankings, but you have Trey Lance next at 16, whereas Justin Fields well, at 15. right next to each other, and that's because I don't know where they're going to get drafted. Mm-hmm. And, like, I, I just can't make that call because I, I feel like I feel like if Trey Lance is drafted in an opportunity where he's going to be that guy, man, I don't know. It's just so close, and it's too hard to say right now. But he, he could very easily be my quarterback. Yeah. Yeah, and I think I mentioned that, too. I, I would I – would... Uh, hear an argument for him at number two over fields the reason i have fields above is you know we we saw more of fields right the 34 games started versus the 16 games started for lance you know against the higher level of competition uh you know justin fields also has a better uh, completion percentage to show for it the 70.2 percent as a junior versus the 66.9 percent that uh trey lance had last year 
Uh, Lance does seem like he likes chucking it deep downfield though. And uh, if you, if you like those deep strikes and that long, uh, you know, those, those long throws deep down the field, then yeah, I mean, uh, Trey Lance will, will give you that upside. Um, so, uh, and that's all in addition to the fact that he got half of his, uh, you know, fantasy production in college uh, on the ground. So definitely that Cam Newton upside with the running. I, I want to piggyback off something both of y'all say, because you just said the deep throw, which is important. And uh, Mitch said Cam Newton, which I agree with, with the caveat of 10 years ago, Cam Newton, right? Mm-hmm. Not Cam Newton today. I think he profiles. Oh, no shit, sir. Thank well, I, we, just clarifying, <laughs> I knew what you meant. But I think he profiles closer to my guy, Justin Herbert, for the reason that Trey was just talking about. He can throw those dimes for 60 yards. And for the other reason that Mitch was saying, that people are sleeping on him, just like people were sleeping on Justin Herbert last year. I, I think people should not make that mistake this year. You should take Trey Lance with a lot of confidence. He's, he like Trey said, I could easily see him as my QB2 this year as well. His upside is immense. It's Cam Newton on the ground and like gunslinger through the air, like Matthew Stafford, like a guy that can like throw any pass on the field and he can do it at mind bending angles. That 2019 tape was incredible some of the throws that he made mitch go ahead yeah no so we're 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 all right here we're all talking about it we're all talking him up all of a sudden where does that where does that make you want to take him though like we're gonna do a rookie draft here soon i know that i'm not trying to spoil that but he's got to be climbing up all of our drafts as we're talking about him right now right yeah, no, it's a good question. I mean, where do you cut in some of these, uh, you know, the second tier of uh, tight ends after Lawrence? And and I think it's probably like early second, mid, mid second round, right? Mid second for me. Right now, I'm just saying like, where where is this going to go? Like, I, I would love to see where he gets drafted. I think that's just going to, this, this guy's a wild card. And if you're drafting before the rookie draft, like, yeah, I can I can definitely see you spending a, a like a like a draft pick, like an early draft pick on. Yeah. Yeah, we've referenced that a couple times by the way, drafting, doing a startup before the NFL draft. And it sounds crazy, but I actually recommend it. I think it's really fun. I think it allows you to kind of focus on your talent evaluation rather than landing spot. Um obviously, you don't have all the information you need, so you're going to make some mistakes, but it's a really fun way to play Dynasty. We've done that in a league before, so it's not crazy. Try it. Um, John, did you have anything you wanted to stay on Trey Lance before we moved on? Uh, no, just what the guys said, uh, mid-second, mid late-second for me. All right, sounds good. All right, so the next two guys we're going to talk about, all the buzz is about them going at pick two and pick three. So pick two likely going to be this guy, Zach Wilson, junior quarterback from Brigham Young University, comes in at six foot two, 214 pounds. Another guy that didn't work out at his pro day, three year starter, but kind of a one year wonder at BYU. And that one year was truly spectacular. 73.5 completion percentage over 3,600 yards. 33 touchdowns to only three interceptions. And he also got 10 rushing touchdowns on the ground. So that is in his arsenal. John, talk to me about Zach Wilson. Uh, you you used the word already to reference Trey Lance, but I'm going to use it again. And that's gunslinger. And uh, when we're going to talk, when we're talking about Zach Wilson, I think we need to have a larger conversation about good in the NFL and good in fantasy. Cause I think there's a good chance that uh, Zach Wilson's not going to be very good in the NFL, but it's going to be really good for fantasy. I think his ceiling is the same guy you just mentioned, Matthew Stafford, real good gunslinger, makes all those throws. But I think uh, at the lower end, uh, he's going to end up like Jameis Winston. He's going to flame out of this league in a few late, in a few years, making bad decisions because that's what I saw on tape. You think he's Drew Locke? Uh, no, I think he's much better than Drew Locke. But I think a lot of quarterbacks are better than Drew Locke. <laughs> uh, but Drew Locke doesn't run much though, uh, and Zach Wilson does. No, what, uh, the point I'm trying to make is that he could make fantasy managers really happy, the same way Jameis Winston did. But he made a lot of risky fall, uh, throws that he could get away with against lower competition. That's not going to fly in the NFL. Uh, so, you know, maybe one or two years of making you really happy as a fantasy manager. And then the coach realizing that this guy's going to throw me 10, 15 interceptions a year. So be, all I'm saying is invest carefully because he might be that kind of guy. He could be Matthew Stafford. That's around for 15 years though. Hey, it's so. only minus two points for a pick. All right. <laughs> and that's why, that's why Jameis made people happy. Yeah. I mean, I think, 
you hit on a lot of the points I would call out for Zach Wilson. I, you know, let's write him in to the Jets at this point. Seems like all indications are that's where he's going. And yeah, he does have enough or showed enough on, uh, you know, that college production on the ground where he profiles kind of like Trevor Lawrence does. You know, he may end up running about as much as, uh, you know, Russell Wilson does these days where, you know, they ran a little bit in college and, you know, they'll do that every now and then to keep uh, defenses honest at the next level. So he definitely boomer bust. Uh, he could work out really well for you. He could also be out of the league in two or three years. So. Yeah, uh, durability could be an issue with his reckless play style, and he's also a little bit small. His his arm is really pretty. Like maybe the best looking arm in the class, at least on certain plays. Um, very pretty. I like it. All right. Um, Mac Jones is the QB five via DLF ADP. He is also our QB five. Redshirt junior from Alabama. This is a guy that came in for Tua after he got that hip injury in 2019. Six foot two, 217 pounds, ran a 488 40-yard dash at the pro day with the adjustment. I mean, whatever. Like, honestly, that's still pretty fast for, like, a normal human being. But he also jumped 32-inch vertical and ran a 7.04-second three-cone. And honestly, that surprised me. Like, a 32-inch vertical is pretty athletic uh, for, for a guy of his stature, kind of what we think of him athletically. Guys, he was really good last year. 4,500 yards, 41 touchdowns, and four interceptions. Obviously playing with the best there. College QBR of 96.1, which is in not the 99th, but the 100th percentile at the position. What's good with Mac Jones, Trey? Yeah, I mean, he so he definitely had a lot of help, right? You know, that yeah, offense was just sure. flooded with, you know, pro talent at every single position. So um, he also does not give you that uh, rushing upside that these other four guys do. He didn't run at all <laughs> in college. Uh, so, you know, you're looking at a guy who may be like uh, Tom Brady, like statuesque at the next level. And he's going to have to have that uh, mental aspect of the game that a guy like Brady has to even be relevant for your fantasy team. So, um, yeah, San Francisco may be uh, blowing smoke about drafting him at number three, but he's the clear cut. Uh, quarterback five for me in this rookie class so yeah no i i I like that evaluation i think his upside to me is ben roethlisberger i think that that he just resembles that 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 potential play style that potential staple of being the guy for that franchise for a long time and having that just like tall cannon if if he gets drafted third overall i think he's going to have the the time and the investment put behind him and really he has the potential to be a mainstay in fantasy but he's most likely not going to put you over the top in fantasy so he's just a late pick he's whatever and i I think he's going to be a starter if you're playing if you're playing super flex yeah like take him because he's likely going to be a starter for a year or two at the very least and your potential is high but i i agree with that assessment mitch you say that he's probably not the guy that he's not going to be a top 12 guy i agree with that but i like to keep two or three quarterbacks on my dynasty roster and if he's my qb2 or qb3 i'm really comfortable with that like you said i think he's going to be especially if he gets that draft capital he's going to be around for a good long time and yeah it's a a solid investment in the third round i'd think maybe mid Mid third, if I if he followed me there, I'd be pretty happy about that. Yeah, and and the only reason I guess I don't necessarily fully agree is just because I don't think he has the same upside, unless he is just absolutely like the next Tom Brady with his arm and and his decision making ability. So, you know, we we actually mentioned earlier about how Trey Lance only really had the one season uh, at North Dakota state. I mean, Mac Jones really only started 17 games at Bama mm-hmm. and I don't hear a whole lot of people talking about, about that fact. And and so there's definitely a risk that, you know, he hasn't really put out as much tape as some of these other quarterbacks that we're looking at here. And you know, when you say that, that reminds me of like Mark Sanchez who had the one season. It reminds me of our, our titty boy. Yeah. Uh, Mitch Trubisky. Exactly. Uh, Mitch Trubisky who had one season there, like just showed out that one season and then came into the NFL well, we all know how that story goes. I don't know. For me, he he just looks a little different. I, I think he looks like a running back. <laughs> Mac Jones? I'm, I'm kidding. 
What does he taste like though? He looks like he looks like he's got some dad bod. <laughs> got yeah. definite dad bod vibes. If if there's fire behind the smoke here that the 49ers are drafting him three overall, god damn does my, does Kyle Shanahan have a type, man. Like accurate but unathletic dudes who will do what they're told and and not much more, you know. Going from Matt Ryan to Jimmy Garoppolo to Kirk Cousins before that, and now Let's just call him Small Ben. Small Ben. I mean, I think Ben's probably a little bit more mobile than Mac Jones has. Yeah, that's uh, what I want to say. Least... It's a small Ben. I'm coining it. Let's go. Small, less mobile Ben. Yeah, no, that's Small the... Ben. Small <laughs> Ben. All right, Mac Jones is Small Ben. You heard it here first. Before we close out the show. I wanted to ask, um, were there any other QBs that any of you kind of wanted to bring up here really quickly? Yeah, so my guy after these top five is uh, Kellen Mond out of Texas A&M. Uh, so, you know, that's probably one school that is probably on all of our uh, shit list out of any school in uh, college football. But uh, I'm not going to hold hmm. it against him because he did start 43 games um, for the Aggies. He, he got it done on the ground uh, kind of his whole time there. Uh, and he, you know, showed about the same mobility as uh, Justin Fields did. Um, he definitely doesn't have the same arm as Fields. Uh, he only had the eight and a half uh, adjusted yards per attempt and the sixty-three point three percent completion percentage his last year um, at Kyle Field. But uh, he did show that he could improve as a passer every single year he was there uh, in his completion percentage, and he cut down on his interceptions. So, you know, at least he showed that he's uh, coachable and he can develop. And yeah, with that rushing upside, if you want to target, you know, what he could do on the ground uh, late in the third, maybe if you do have a fourth round in your draft in the beginning of your fourth, then his player comp right now is uh, a guy like Colin Kaepernick. Um, So, you know, he had a pretty successful fantasy career, uh, you know, before everything went to shit with the NFL with uh, his career. But uh, yeah, so Kellen Mond's my guy uh, after the top five. Welcome. Yeah, I mean, I I don't feel like I have much room to talk shit about the Aggies right now when, you know, about seven spots down this list is Sam Ellinger. But mm-hmm. uh, I, I'm just going to say that Davis Mills probably intrigues me the most. Only 11 career starts at Stanford, but some very intriguing traits. He can make any throw and kind of has demonstrated an ability to read complex defenses. Really smart guy, just extremely inexperienced uh, and had some bad luck with injuries and in COVID season. I think that his hype is rising a little bit. So if we see him kind of go in the early second round, he's a guy that you might want to pay attention to late in super flex rookie drafts, or maybe even on one QB kind of after the rookie draft, when you're adding priority free agents, just a guy to kind of earworm into your brain. All right. That's going to do it for this episode of The Long Game. We talked tight ends and quarterbacks, not as sexy as wide receivers and running backs, but hey, you know, you got to eat your vegetables. So uh, we will see you next week when we're going to do a rookie draft pre-NFL draft. So we're going to do a mock rookie draft, getting into a little bit more exciting content here, and we're excited. Thanks for sticking with us. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time. Adios. Goodbye. Peace.